0: This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast.
1: All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the Cobham Crew. That's right, we got Phil in the house hanging out with us, breaking down everything that's been going on at the Academy in December. Phil, what's going on?
0: Hiya, uh, it's, uh, it's really good to be back. Happy New Year to everybody out there. I hope those that celebrated the holiday season had a good one. hope everybody else is good. Um, yeah, it's good to be back talking about the football on the pitch. Uh, the last time we had a catch-up together, we we sort of went in a different direction because November was quiet on the academy front. So we went into depth on the Lone Army, which will be prominent front and centre during the transfer window in January. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. But plenty of football being played over the month of December before the Academy went on a mini winter break. Lots to go through, lots of really exciting stuff, and a few first-team adjacent issues as well. So, yeah, lots and lots of really good Academy stuff to get into. Yeah,
1: I mean, how perfect timing that Gilchrist is still trending on Chelsea Twitter the day after <laughs> the uh, the debut match. And so I am excited to get into that. Uh, the timing could not be... Better Chef's Kiss, Phil. Um, look, everybody, before we jump into it, uh, Phil, the Academy expert, if you don't know by now, check him out, at Chelsea Youth on Twitter. Been covering the Academy for, what, a decade and a half? Are we on to two decades yet?
0: <laughs> yeah, closing on it, it'll be a few years' time. Uh, 2026, I think, would be 20 years.
1: Insane. So, obviously, uh go check out Phil's Twitter, and he will keep you up to date on all the matches and up-and-coming players and things to know. Uh, and that's why we have him on monthly to break it down. Uh, For everybody else, five-star reviews, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, really appreciate it. Subscribe on YouTube. You can see my beautiful face on this one, (laughs) and then uh, we'll uh, go ahead and lock up the Discord because uh, people are flooding in right now. We're super excited to see more people get involved. Uh, If you want uh, probably just a little bit more of a, a fun and friendlier place during Match Days to talk than Twitter, come check it out. So, Uh, Phil, in this one, we want to kick it off with the under-18s, right? They're in tremendous form, and then we'll round out with the Dev Squad, who are starting to figure some things out, and then obviously uh, review 2023 a little bit and what lies ahead. So if we kick it off with the 18s here, right? Uh, The last result, 9-1. I, I like, had to mute my phone almost. I didn't know what was going on. Chelsea, never score this many goals. I was
0: really confused. You were at this one, weren't you? Uh, Yep, and it was... A pretty, I mean, 9-1, you're going to say it's a pretty impressive performance. But, I mean, I'll go so far as regards to the scoreline. This was the best academy performance, 18s or 21s in four or five years. They were outstanding in every possible regard. And 9-1 tells you that, uh, but even if it had finished 2-3, 4-0 or whatever, this, this was a special performance.
1: And if we, obviously, like 9-1, big deal. Um, you're talking about how the form that they're in with this group Right. Yeah, they
0: they won every game they played in December. They preceded this one with uh, a Youth Cup win at Leicester, which was a pretty tough away game, actually. Um, Leicester are a capable team, if not spectacular, and they made life hard for Chelsea, despite going behind after 30 seconds or so. Uh, Chelsea ran out 3-1 winners in the end, goals from Danelle McNeely, Michael Golding and uh, Shimoka which line up a, a fourth-round tie against Everton in the new year. But they followed that up. The 17s went to Crystal Palace and won 3-0 in the 17s Cup to make it to the quarterfinals. And then the 18s had back-to-back league games just before Christmas. The 9-1 against West Brom and a 3-2 against Southampton. Two completely different matches, but two of the best performances of the season for different reasons we'll discuss.
1: Well, I am happy to do all of that. Um, so, again, with this squad right now, they're in the South Conference. For those of you who don't know, at the 18 level it's it's broken up south and north uh so we're in south obviously london side we're in third place in the table tottenham up top with 24 points um west ham with 22 points and chelsea are in third with 21 points but we've only played nine matches so we actually have two in hand on tottenham and one in hand on west ham so obviously a win takes us essentially to the top and so phil if you set the high level looks like they're in a good spot uh, overall record seven wins, no draws, only two losses, and a goal difference of plus seventeen. Obviously, eight of those coming in one match.
0: Yeah, they they positioned them really themselves really well, knowing that they had this Southampton game was a game in hand as well. So they'll they know that everything's in their hands now if they we're only midway through the season. So it's a little bit early to start talking about title aspirations, but um that's what they want to aim for. They want to win everything they're playing for. The West Brom game was special just not so much because of the quality of the technical performance, they were outstanding, but it was the appetite and the desire to constantly improve and to constantly press the issue and to make things happen. You could be satisfied going in five four or five up at halftime. They were five-nil up at half time and just cool your brakes on the second half. You know, you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, so let's let's ease it there. But they didn't do that. They were five-nil up at half time, having really spent the first 15 minutes or so trying to figure out West Brom, uh, who are a good team themselves, much like Leicester. As I said, they're not necessarily spectacular, but they're very well coached. They are competitive. They'll they'll have good games against good teams. Might end up finishing mid-table here and there, but they've also got a really strong record of academy production that Chelsea themselves have availed themselves to in the last few years in bringing in Keanu Dyer and Leo Cardoso, both from Midlands. Um, and they just, they, they once they figured it out, they didn't let up. They, it was a hat trick from Shimaoka, two from Denel McNeely, one from Frankie runnan, one from Harrison McMahon, two from Chinasso Chibweza. It could have been more, but I posted some of the clips of the goals on my Twitter feed if you look back through mid-December, and it was just quality after quality team goals it was front to back it was left to right it was involving seven or eight outfielders harrison murray campbell was nominally playing as a right back but inverting into central midfield in a 3-2 build-up and he was just he was running right he was playing as a central midfielder attacking midfielder got a couple of direct assists a couple of second assists and every single player did themselves the world. Justice in that game. It was as good as you can possibly want. And I think Hassan Suleiman said so as much afterwards in his review of it. It was it was it was really something to behold. And the match is available on the fifth stand app to watch back um, for free for those of you who haven't. But I would encourage you to go and, and pay it some attention because there there was a lot to take away from not just this performance, but it's what the academy are doing, the sort of players and the profiles they're developing and what a Chelsea team should look like, in in my opinion at least. Now, if we jump forward three days to the Southampton game, it was the same ten outfielders. You're not going to change a 9-1 team. Half uh, a few of them got rested, they they went off after 60, 65 minutes, but they just changed the goalie for this one and said, right, are we going to go again? And this was a completely different performance and rewarding and positive for different reasons. They were 2-0 down at half time, struggling. 10 minutes to go, still not really going their way. And they've got one back from Travis Alcomia at Two stoppage time goals. They knew there was going to be a lot of stoppage time in this one from a couple of head injuries in the second half. And there was a debut goal and a debut match winning assist from England under 16 Chelsea under 16 winger Ria Ugumar. Uh, and Sonto Boniface scored the winner. Spectacular scenes, 90 plus nine. And to have that spirit and resolve and drive to to rescue what looked like a lost cause and a situation that was beyond them. And they could have lost a lot of momentum and a lot of positivity after the 9-1 by suffering a rare home defeat before Christmas. We talked about having games in hand to leave the title chances in in their power and in their hands. So the fight back and... Once they got one, you, you got the sense that the momentum was turning. They got two, and you're in stoppage time at that point. You think, all right, it's two. We could take the point here and be happy with it, and they kept going and kept going and kept going. Southampton could have scored again in stoppage time, but Chelsea was like, oh, we're going to win this. Sparked wild scenes of celebration, and yeah, a really good way to sign off a very, very positive first half of the season.
1: Uh, obviously, it's been, it's been busy with the, all the other matches taking place, but any um, senior staff or players at matches recently that you've been to?
0: Uh, not necessarily, just because of the way that it goes. But uh, not nobody from Pochettino staff, for example. But uh, Neil Barth is always around, taking in the games. Various people will pop their heads over here and there. Um, Joe Shields has been around. Uh, again, it's not necessarily something that any of Pochettino staff absolutely have to do week in, week out. It would be nice to see him at a game at some point, but again. The demands of the men's first team schedule in December and the travel that Chelsea have faced means that sometimes these games don't work out. Chelsea played Southampton here at one o'clock on the Tuesday and the men's first team were hosting Newcastle the same evening at Sanford Bridge, so it wasn't ever going to be that sort of situation. But um, yeah, there's a buzz around the academy. Uh, there usually is, but it's it's a little bit different again now. This we, we know we've had a few fallow years in comparison to some of the... The dominance and the trophy halls that they picked up in the 2010s, and there's a recognition that they want to get back to that level, and there's a little bit of buzz and and, and recognition building that this this team is is onto something this year.
1: And for most people, I guess. It's probably you know they're they're a little bit further away from the first team. They're younger, uh, obviously most you know teenagers at this point. But I you know always ask around when I want to see kind of what the the vibe and sentiment is. But it's hard you know to to ignore this group when as as we said right seven zero and two uh, absolutely doing well thirty four goals for seventeen against with that plus seventeen. Uh, this is the the growth phase right. A lot of I would say high scoring games just in general right both for and against um and so they're they're definitely starting to gel and get that regularity and stuff like that which uh is is fun to see the, the this group back on top uh they're also in the fourth round of the FA youth cup beat Leicester, and now they're headed to Everton. So I think Leicester and Everton are both teams in the north. Is that right? The North Conference? Uh, Le-
0: Leicester are in the south just okay. because of the, the overload of northern teams in the under-18 category one setup. It's Leicester in the Midlands. and depend, So it doesn't change right. that much from one year to the NX. But let's say that Newcastle dropped to Cat 2. And Bournemouth came up to Cat One. The, the readjustment could possibly send Leicester into the north. It's one of those things. West Brom have flexed between north and south over the years, but Leicester have ended up in the south the whole time. So, yeah, it'll be a really tricky trip to Everton in early to mid January. um As we record, the date isn't set yet. It has to be played by the 20th, though. Uh, Everton beat Stockport after a fashion um they've not had a good year themselves they're at the bottom end of the north table uh leighton baines is their head coach but again we know that everton are an academy that will constantly put out good quality players into the game chelsea took ishae samuel smith from them in the summer because we know about everton's financial issues uh the game will be at goodison park they'll bring in the best players have already gone up to the 21s like chelsea do and Obviously, it's a three-hour-ish trip up and back for Chelsea. That sort of away game midweek for young players has a lot of variables in it. So I've I've been quite confident about the Youth Cup. We said back in August in our season predictions and our previews that I felt Chelsea would win the Youth Cup this year, looking at all the the other teams in the competition and the, the quality and depth that Chelsea had available to them and the potential for the performances that we've seen between August and now. And I stand by that. I think this team... We'll lift silverware this year, whether it's the league, whether it's the cup, whether it's the league cup, whatever. But certainly starting the youth cup run with two tricky trips away from home will test their mettle. And that's that's how you want it to be. You don't necessarily want an easy run to the final. You want the challenge to overcome, to, to prove yourself. worthy winners.
1: Well, uh, yeah. I, and that's why I was like, oh, it'll be good. They get a little bit of an unfamiliar foe, get to travel, right? This is where you start to kind of have a little bit more of that pro feeling down and back in a day on the coach. You've got to show up and play um i like these tests right and it's cup competition so it's knockout right result the 90 minutes matter um if there's a draw do they go into extra time right away they do yeah okay
0: extra time and penalties got to be done on the night some competitions don't go extra time but the fa youth cup always has and again i think that's a really interesting dynamic for youth football can can you get your players to play 120 minutes can you perform when it counts who's got the the drive to keep going i know that results aren't everything for everybody at youth level but chelsea have always valued winning as part of the development and the youth cup is generally treated by every academy as the but the, the bar to which everybody is measured so whether it's 90 120 or penalties whether you need any of that everton i think they'll they'll come out on top there but it won't be an easy one
1: yeah uh good um and then i think Yeah, okay, we'll take our first break. When we get back, then we're going to hear from uh, lead coach Hassan Suleiman on his team, and we'll look ahead at the new year for the 18s. Thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. All right, so we've got some quotes from lead coach is is this a technicality here not it's not a technical she's
0: his head coach lead coach age group lead gotcha team manager for all intents and purposes jimmy smith and andy ross both former youth team players at chelsea are his assistants but son has been in the role since uh back in february march time when ed brand went off to join jody morris in a short stint at swindon town
1: Correct, we do remember that. So uh, he says, quote, we've looked at a number of areas that we wanted to improve upon and areas that we wanted to develop. Again, I can say that's something we have done. That has been evident in how better we've been able to control games, how many goal scoring opportunities we've created. We've been able to do that while rotating quite a high number of players as well. So that's also a testament to the boys. We've tried to ensure that we have this competitive element in our training sessions, but also this togetherness element where everyone's able to be open, to be free, and able to express themselves. So we've been very pleased with how the season has progressed so far. But, of course, we're only at the halfway point. So we have a got to make it mean something when we go into next year. End quote. Phil, if you wanted to write the perfect youth setup within a squad at this level, he checked all the boxes,
0: right? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's the environment that you're trying to create, isn't it?
1: Yeah, the developmental areas. He's like, but we want it to be competitive, but yet keep everyone united in the same direction so they support each other. Uh, We've had a lot of turnover, but it's not an excuse. And he knows no matter what, he ends it with the golden goose. The, hey, we may be doing all right right now. It doesn't matter. We need to end the season in the silverware spot. He knows what it's about. I love everything about this.
0: Yeah, and he's he's creating a really not necessarily creating because the academy themselves as a, as a whole, as an entity, as a holistic venture, create the culture, but within each age group, within each group of players, you want to impart your own personality and your own values towards that. And and it is shining through in, in the positivity of the way they play, the behaviors of the players, the culture, um, which maybe wasn't necessarily as strong as it had been five years ago. Um, It's starting to come back. There's been some good people brought in from the outside and, the way that players have moved between the 18s and 21s, and we'll talk about the 21s again in a minute, is is to Hassan's point there that you've seen Tariq George step up and Harrison Murray Campbell at the start of the season, Michael Golding, uh, Jimmy J. Morgan is age group eligible, youth cup eligible. he stepped up a little bit to the. Uh, he's played most of the seasons with the 21s, sorry. And so when that happens, and when you have injuries to like Sabato Amper and Keanu Dyer, who's again regular at 21, that gives the opportunities for some of the under 16s. has played the entire season up, but. Yayari Drizzi, Ryan McAdoo, Rio Ngomoa, they've all had opportunities. A lot of the first years haven't really gotten involved yet. They've mostly been injured. Sean Wade's had a few sub appearances. Saeed Olegoun, who's had a couple. Marcel Washington's only played once. Oli Harrison's been established, but he arrived a little bit later. Genesis Antwi's only started twice. So as we've spoken about over the years on this, when you hit the mid-season, you start to look at the 21s who may be departing on loan and then the second years from the a who are ready to be pushed up on a full-time basis, someone like Tariq, George, Danell, McNeely, and so on. And then that gives the first years more of an opportunity. So, yes, Frankie Runham's played a lot, but nobody else necessarily has. Give more opportunities to Sean Wade, some of the others who have started four or five games, and it then becomes incumbent on them to carry this challenge through to the second half of the season. You won't just suddenly have a full change of the guard, but there'll be minutes for the younger guys as we go on, because that's what every season is about. It becomes cyclical. And the challenge is there for everybody to compete on all fronts. We want to win one trophy, two trophies, three trophies. That's what it's about. Start pushing players up the age groups into the men's first team, into the professional environment, and continue that production line of success.
1: Well, I tell you what—the um, the way that we are just moving the ball forward, that they're growing and developing. Because last season, remind me again, how how did last season go for this group? And granted, there's been a lot of turnover, like we talked about.
0: Could have been better. They had uh, they were knocked out of the 18s Cup at the semi-finals. They were knocked out of the Youth Cup. Very disappointing. They away to Cambridge in round four, and they were well off it in the league. West Ham ran away with the southern section comfortably they were 17 points from Fulham and Chelsea were 20 points behind them finishing fourth 11 wins from 22 games which is good but not outstanding to that point they've already won seven this season from their first nine well on course to exceed that 11 um yeah they, they, they've they've definitely stepped up not just in terms of the league table and in results but the performances of the second years they they've taken ownership they've developed they've they've progressed they're, they're all making steps and impressions at 21's level and ticking all the boxes basically
1: right so that's kind of my point too is how quick that turnaround uh has been for this group and i think that's something as we've done this for a while now we tend to see right like uh we don't stay down very long right the team is very quick to turn around they fix things and grow and develop and i think that that's just so impressive uh with this group no doubt um all right well uh like i said if we if we look ahead right and uh see what's going on in 2024 crazy to think about that already it's a month of away games yeah that's what i was that's what I was about to point out it's like the road warriors in january they've got four matches and uh none at home
0: and plus the everton youth cup game away there'll be five good trips on the road three of them are relatively local but they start the year away to leicester where they were back at the start of december in the youth cup so same venue same pitch hopefully the same outcome. Then a rearranged trip to West Ham, a rearranged trip to Reading and a regularly scheduled trip to Southampton. So Southampton and Reading are both roughly an hour from Cobham, uh, West Ham, probably a little bit further just because of the logistics of getting around to East London and over the river and so on and so forth. But uh, they'll be challenging. West Ham are, are having another decent season. Um, Reading are very capable. And we saw the Southampton game we've just been talking about. This is the the reverse fixture. They were very competitive and pushed Chelsea all the way to the 99th minute of, 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 of action uh, looked like they were going to win it for a long time so it's it's, a, it's another it's a it's it's not an easy start to the new calendar year five games away from home uh, there'll be um it's kind of in contrast to the 21s which we'll get on to in a minute they've got a month of Friday home matches. So there'll be some juggling of the squads and uh, working out who goes where. But this is this is back to the point that we've been talking about and what Hassan was saying. This is where you go and prove yourself. We're in a good position now. Things are going well. Everything's in in the team's control to go on and and realise the ambitions and goals and, and silver where they want to win this year. And January is the sort of month you go and do it. This is where you go and prove yourself. You're not going to have the home comforts. You're going to be travelling. There's going to be things that make you uncomfortable. Doesn't matter. Go and go out and win. Go out and continue to develop, and to to prove that you deserve to take the next step up the ladder.
1: Right, especially you know, it's like I said, five matches in this month. You got you got three in a week. Uh, you're we're gonna get to see a little bit out of this group, right? And that's that's what we want. That's what we like getting chances to to watch them grow and and go from there. So excited to see how it goes, but. We're going to continue on with the dev squad, but I guess I'll pause, Phil. Anything else we maybe missed or that you do want to touch with the 18s before we move on to the devs?
0: No, only the it will segue nicely into the dev squad. That As we get into January, we'll start to see some of the, the players we've just been talking about over the last 10, 15 minutes move into the development squad. And some of the dev guys we're going to talk about will be projected to, to go on loan or have opportunities to to move on elsewhere because that's, the, that's what usually happens in January. It's a bit of a... A time for upheaval across the board. You want to move players onto the next stage. You can only do certain things for certain loans at certain times of the season, and that's when we move up. So the 18s will remain competitive, and the best players who are eligible will still be around for key portions of the season, certainly key fixtures. But this is the the time where you you start to evolve a little bit and move along to the next stage of the journey. Right. So.
1: In summation, 18s high flying, uh, bounce back after last season, in contention at the top, continuing in the FA Youth Cup. So good news all around. Dev Squad, little different. I, it's, it's, and there's reasons why, which is what I love about you, Phil, is you are Mister Context when it comes to this. If you look at the PL two table, Chelsea are in 14th place, right? And that's out of 26 teams. So it is a much, much bigger table. I feel like the table wasn't always this big, Phil. Is that right? Did they kind of consolidate when they went to U21 and teams were losing their academies and stuff?
0: So last summer, they decided to go with their version of the Swiss model, which is what the Champions League is becoming in 24-25 onwards, which is everybody in one table, you will play some teams at home and some teams away for a 20-game a 20 game season. So you don't play everybody of the 25 potential opponents. The top 16 make the playoffs. So while Chelsea are 14th at the moment, they would, as standings are today, and they've got a game in hand on teams above them, they would be involved in the postseason, which is a whole new thing for everybody involved. There's been a concept of playoffs before at under-21 level, but usually just a semi-final and final stage, not a a Sweet 16 bracket that whittles down to a, a final. And that's something that I think a lot of clubs will approach differently as we move on, because as long as you can ensure that you're in, then you can afford to play around with opportunities and not necessarily no one's going out there to lose a game but for example if you've got a priority fixture in another competition with another age group in that same week you can work your fixture list to say right this one here we're probably not going to win it but as long as we pick up enough points to make sure that we're in after 20 games then we can commit all our resources to that and it's it, it was it was a decision taken by the club majority of clubs voted for it because they felt that in the previous setup which was division one division two with two relegation places and two promotion places that when the stakes were at their the highest clubs were bringing in overage players from the first team overflow to help them get promoted or to help them avoid relegation and i don't necessarily see why they wouldn't do that come playoff time here it's just shifting the goalposts and having a different reason for bringing in the others but for the core 20 games the idea is you won't need the overages you won't need to call upon them so it's better opportunities for young players all around that hasn't been the case at Chelsea they've been younger than many seasons lots of 17 year olds being involved this year and that's why three wins and two draws from nine games in the league it's been up and down it's been inconsistent they've had very good cup performances and we'll talk about those shortly the league hasn't been quite there yet but they've been better than their record shows and the the league game just before christmas away to liverpool kind of speaks to that they lost 2-1 to a stoppage time goal in particular but both goals were the product of chelsea mistakes but mistakes that were made in an educated way, it's not something I tend to agree with, but they were both mistakes playing out from the back trying to build in possession. We know that's the way that a lot of academy football is taught these days. We know that that's the way that a lot of high level senior football is played. And you live by the door, die by the sword. If you get something wrong in your own defensive third, you're going to present a high quality chance. That's the way that a lot of clubs do it. You need to pick and choose your moments. So these are learning opportunities for the players that made those mistakes. Do you want to play out? one, one away from home in stoppage time, or do you just want to play it safe and and clear it? There's a balance to be had. That's how they lost there. They played well enough to get a point or perhaps all three there. They took none. The education continues. The talent develops. The result wasn't there.
1: Well, yeah, I, I mean that. Yeah. Okay. Um, with, with this group, um, so what? 11 points spurs on top of 27 new league format. Um, do you feel like, I mean, that? that's probably not really changing too much for this group, right? Like, we're not going to say that skewing results at all. It's just much more about the the growth phase and the the new players in and out of the squad.
0: Yeah, it's, it, you, we started the preseason uh, with a tour of uh, a bunch of local non-league teams and they were competitive, but not for the full 90 minutes. And that's been a story that Mark Robinson's been talking about in some of his communications with the club website over the last month, that, they've played a good 60 minutes or a good 70 minutes and been in winning positions or in positions where they can take a point and they not seeing that through. And some of that is age. Some of that is experience. Some of that is just trying to build a cohesive team. There's been a lot of change around. This. There's been players that come in from the outside, from other clubs. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting season to have watched unfold because when they've been good, they've been very good. And when they've, They've, they've very rarely been bad. They've just not been consistent, apart from the cup competitions, which to, to some extent are against teams that you'd expect them to be, but not necessarily. And I think if they kept this group together as it is now for the rest of the season, that cohesion and consistency would come because... You're not integrating Jimmy J. Morgan or David Washington or Alex Matos, who are all really, really, really good players, but you're integrating them into a different group, along with a bunch of guys who come up from the under-18s and are playing at this level regularly for the first time, like Billy G. And then the others, like we spoke about earlier, Tariq George and Danel McNeely and players who are stepping up who are still youth team eligible. There's a lot going on. But to our point five minutes ago, this group's now going to change again. And you just almost approach each match in a silo. It's okay. This is the play. These are the players we have available to us right now. Some of them have been training with Mauricio Pochettino's t- group for the three or four days preceding a match. It's a very fractured group, generally under twenty-one level. Work with what you've got. The principles of how the academy want to play there. The framework could be changed. They, this, this was a team that played mostly three at the back until late November and they switched to a 4 3 one because Robinson was saying these are the players that we now have. This is the shape that suits them better. This is what we're going to go with. And the performances have been pretty good for the last month. The results, good in the Cups, not so much in the league. And you, I think you just take each game as a proposition by itself right now. Get enough points to get you in the top 16 out of 26, which I think Chelsea should be able to do. Enjoy a Cup run continue to push players into the men's first-team squad because they've been on the bench. They haven't necessarily gotten the opportunities that they deserve, but maybe those will come. We've seen Alfie Gilchrist get a debut. We've seen Alex Matos have a debut. We have seen David Washington get on the pitch. There are some other players that we're going to talk about later who deserve that to come next. Uh, But it's it's not so much like the 18s. The 18s group is generally quite well-defined. It's the 16s, the first-years, and the second-years. Whereas from one game to the next, you could have thirty percent of your matchday squad change for the for the dev squad, and that's what makes it quite a, a really interesting team to watch. Um, by, by interesting, I certainly don't mean bad. They produce some really really good performances, some outstanding goals, and some really exciting talent. I just it's about putting this into perspective, into the context that you talked about of why they won three games out of nine in the league. Uh, They've been better than that, even if they haven't been spectacular like Tottenham have. They've won nine out of nine at the top. Um, That's a Tottenham team that Chelsea ran very close away from home against them back in October. Uh, I think when you get to May, you see where Chelsea end up this season. I think it will be looked upon as a, a positive year's work, regardless of the actual standings.
1: And again, wouldn't this be like a weird year because of the insane amount of injuries that the men's first team has had? That is affecting this group more than usual. Is that? Yeah, I think it is.
0: It's it's fair to say, not just necessarily because they're unavailable for matches, but it's how you split into the group day-to-day training. They're, They're all age group eligible, but if you're only training with the players that you're playing with at match day minus one because you are needed the men's first team and the men's first team always takes precedence and superiority and seniority at the club because that's where everyone is going to on the men's side of the game the opportunities to train with elite talents uh are vital and valuable but there is an overhead in how it affects the under-21s doesn't mean it's bad doesn't mean it's good it's just another factor that you have to consider right Fair,
1: and that's and that's what I'm thinking. I was like, you know, we talk about how disruptive it's been for the men's first team, all these injuries and and rotation, and we see a sub. We don't have like for like subs. Every time we make a sub, it changes the formation. It trickles down, right? Obviously, to the dev squad more than 18s. To to your point, but uh, I just wanted to kind of uh, uh, bring that that point home here. So uh, appreciate that that helps. We're gonna take a last ad break. When we get back, though, we have cup competitions with this group so excited to to move the conversation there so thank you the sponsors we will be right back all right silverware is where it's at phil we got the premier league cup just beat luton two to one um it was the back in 12th of december how does this fit in with everything else going on you got pl2 uh now we got the pl cup
0: yeah so a refresher for those of you who are regular listeners and explainer for those who may be joining us for the first time which is Uh, Very welcome. The Chelsea's under-19s usually take part in the UEFA Youth League, the under-19 Champions League, which mirrors the UEFA Champions League. But Chelsea's lack of presence in the senior competition and the under-18s not winning the league last season mean that they're not in it this year. And to bolster the games programme, they've entered both the domestic Premier League Cup, which is an under-21 cup for top 26 category one academies plus two invited the north and south champions from cat two last year and the international cup which is for the top 12 in pl2 last season plus 12 uh, european teams invited for a competition that can only be played in england because uefa won't allow it to be played home and away across continental europe so every game is played in england chelsea are in a group with celtic valencia dinamo zagreb and lyon and the most recent game that they had there was against Celtic, which was pretty important. They lost the first game in this competition, home to Lyon, and then beat Dinamo four one. So in a group, it's it's another convoluted format. It's three groups of eight, where the top two in each group go through to the quarterfinals, and then two of the best, third, two of the three best runners up go through. So you end up in a situation where Chelsea play three out of four games and don't actually know whether they're going through yet or not. Uh, despite winning two and losing one, they play Valencia in early January and a win there should see them through in some way or some form. But it's 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 another it's another approach to the games program that you had you knockout football. It is group stages, but you can't really let things slip, especially in the international cup, which is quite competitive. Chelsea's group has also got, I think, Brighton, Southampton and West Ham from the English teams. So three really capable academies who are all picking up enough points that you need to go out there and win. And they did that against Celtic just before Christmas. Two goals from Jimmy J. Morgan, one from Zane Sealcott dubry who also scored in the win at Luton that we'll talk about. Uh, he's been in good form himself recently. A beneficiary of that change to formation that Mark Robinson um, was talking about that we mentioned before the ad break, that he's now getting a run of games uh, on either the right or left side of a 4 3 one and he's been productive with it. But it's, it's, it's an attempt to add a diversity to the games program with no European competition. So you, you you get the home games, you can only play them at King's Meadow or in England. So it's not quite the same. You're not traveling overseas like you would in the UEFA Youth League. But it's it's interesting because Chelsea haven't entered these for the best part of five, six years in some cases. And you can do different things with your squads. You can afford some younger players, different opportunities. And the game, at Luton was played at Kenilworth Road, a Premier League stadium, albeit only in name, the actual facility itself is uh as dated as everybody who tells you. Um but yeah it's about presenting different challenges different opportunities uh the PL Cup group is Luton Colchester release they wouldn't ordinarily play Colchester in the league competition either like Luton so they get to play, and, and Colchester for example a lot of their under-21 team have and do play regularly in League Two because it's a club that doesn't have a lot of money and so they are fr- forced to rely on a fairly capable youth system and Chelsea have done well against Colchester. They won 5-2 up there a couple of months ago. It wasn't an easy game. It was a very physical game. And sometimes those are the games that you don't get in PL2 because a lot of the Cat 1 teams play the same style. They've got the same curriculum of footballing education. And then you move outside of that and, and expose players to different challenges.
1: Well, I, again, like that's what we want in this group: stretch them, right, pull them, put them in different situations, make them uncomfortable. We absolutely um, um, love that as well. Uh, PL International Cup. This again, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like this is new this season.
0: Yeah, as I was saying, it is for Chelsea. It's the first time they've been in it since sort of the mid 2010s. Um, it's, it's quite interesting. Celtic have got a few good players, and they, they, for example, a lot of the team that came down to Kings Meadow before Christmas play. The Celtics B team in the fifth tier, I think, of the Scottish professional not professional, Scottish senior game. So they'll play against men week in and week out. And Chelsea handled that pretty easily. Celtic had a good 10-15 minutes after half time, but Chelsea would deserve a 3-1 winners. Uh, that competition will be interesting just as its own project. You get through to the quarterfinals and then win. The PL Cup now becomes a different thing for Chelsea. They've won four out of four. So they've qualified for the knockout stages and they should win the group. So they'd be... They'd get a home tie in the last 16, I think. But that means they've got two group games now, home to Colchester and home to Leeds, that they can play around with a little bit if they want to. You can experiment a little bit. Obviously, you want to win, but you qualified. So maybe the Colchester game, a lot more of the under-18s get opportunities. But... A lot of people have been asking me recently on social media, with such a lengthy injury list with the men's first team, why have the likes of Christopher Ronkunko and Romeo Lavia not been afforded under 21 minutes to to get up to speed in the same way that players have in the past? We've seen Ed Nazar play down the Aldershop for the 21s. We've seen John Terry play. We've seen uh, ben Chilwell, at the start of last season, doing it. We saw, I think, Carney Chukwameka and Trevor Chalabar played in that game as well. So there have been examples over the years of players playing twenty-one minutes because it's a competitive environment to get themselves going. And we haven't seen that yet this season. I'm not saying that it's going to happen in January, but Chelsea do have the opportunity with the PL Cup games to, to do this. Or should they want to? And again, they haven't done this. They haven't done behind-closed-doors games because the December schedule didn't allow it. To To give minutes to players who simply aren't getting, not a matter of like it hasn't had enough minutes. Plays against Crystal Palace off the bench makes an impact. But he needs a lot more minutes to refine that talent. under Breuer needs the same minutes. I'm not saying they should play 21s, but if you're not going to loan them out, which seems to be what's being briefed, that they're not going to go on loan because of the injury issues. You need to get them the minutes to, to, to accelerate and to catch up to where they need to be. And they're young enough that No, they wouldn't qualify as under 21s, but they're you you put them in for a game, Colchester home, Leeds home, whatever, just to to get some rhythm going, to get some form going, to get the fitness and minutes into their legs, to get the sharpness going. I'm generally not a, a massive fan of clubs doing it because it takes minutes away from a player who doesn't have the same opportunities to play for other age groups. But when, when the circumstance allow for it and when the fixture list perhaps presents an opportunity I think it can be advantageous I think it can bring something extra to the environment the 21s are now playing with somebody from the men's first team at their age group level uh, it can it can highlight positive and negative traits and characters it's a learning experience for everybody uh, I'm just riffing here I think there's there's some potential in the idea and it was trying to address a question that I've been asked but certainly four wins out of four in the PL Cup and uh, a must win against Valencia, give them some, some interesting scope for the weeks ahead in, in their fixtures.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, uh, ride the cup competitions. That's a good way to put silverware in the old cabinet. Hey, absolutely. Uh, you know, hey, we all, we want to see it right. Ben a little bit. Let's get back to, back to it. New year fixtures, uh, very, uh, exciting here. You got Valencia and Manchester United, then Colchester United, like you talked about, in the Cup, uh, and then Reading. So four matches. All at home. Yeah, you've got the ninth and the 12th, then the 19th and the
0: 26th. So
1: kind of start off with a bang, and then you kind of steady yourself out.
0: Yeah, and so the 18s have got a month on the road, and the 21s have got a month at home. As I said uh, earlier on, it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. The Colchester game is mid-month, which will, as a, as suggesting if you wanted to use that as an opportunity or a vehicle to get some minutes into players' either coming down from the men's first team or coming up from the 18s, it projects itself well. It's in the middle of a busy month for everybody. Uh, Theoretically, at least, it should be the easier of the four games. No disrespect to Colchester, but they're the only Category 2 academy in an otherwise Category 1 month. Um, And certainly, we're talking about consistency and trying to build results and the challenges that the 18s face in now having a month of away games. Can you maintain that? Can the 21s use this advantageous schedule of not having to travel any further away than Kings Meadow, down the road from Cobham to find some consistency, to find some rhythm, to kick on and to hit your stride and to deliver the points the performances have mostly deserved. Get three instead of one. Get one instead of none. Use these. Yes, there's a couple of cup games in there, but Build, build the rhythm, build the momentum, build the confidence so that when you're out of January and then you're in that stretch, you're at transfer windows gone, this is your group for the rest of the season. Hit February, hit March, hit April and try to win those competitions because yes, the academy have been wildly successful over a decade. But the 18s are responsible for a lot of that silverware. The 21s have won PL2 twice in a decade. 19s won two UEFA Youth Leagues. But again, we have to go back a long time for the UEFA Youth League now, 2015, 2016. Uh, So adding a PL Cup, adding an International Cup, yes, they might be considered secondary competitions by some, but there's no substitute for winning. The culture that you build by winning consistently throughout the age groups manifests itself in the sort of production that Cobham has become world-renowned for producing players who are able to play at the very highest levels for club and country in England and overseas. That's the product of winning. And I'd never like it when academy coaches come out after a defeat and say results aren't what we're talking about. We're trying to develop talent and I don't see how you can do one without the other. Especially at the levels that Chelsea aspire to. You have to produce a winning mentality. And the only way that you, you really get to that is to win.
1: That's a part of development. You have to develop a winning mentality, the ability to do whatever it takes in a match, even if it's not a part of like your structured career path to get it across the line. And uh, that those are the intangibles, so I appreciate that. Uh, you open the door, so I'm gonna take it. You talk about players uh, floating around between the teams, uh, you know, as we, as we kind of look at the last 12 months-ish overall, um, it's It's been interesting, right? So uh, last season was a disaster for Chelsea Football Club. Uh, new manager, right? Potch comes in. Want to see what he thinks about the youth and stuff like that. So the 18s are trending upwards, as we've talked about. Seem to be in a great spot. The Dev squad, a little bit hot and cold. Let's talk about the pathway to the men's team. So we are... You know, about halfway into the, the Premier League season. We've had some debuts this season, right, for academy players. Uh, a lot of bench spots. How are you feeling the vibe is uh, with Potch and the situation we find ourselves in and how he is using or not using the dev squad?
0: Oh, I'll preface this, that my personal opinion is probably a little less positive than the general sentiment, but maybe within the club. I think could do better is an understatement because of so many games of two goalkeepers on the bench, of so many games of not using all five substitutes when available to you, particularly in games that you're losing or have lost. And yes, Alex Matos has had a couple of appearances off the bench. Yes, Alfie Gilchrist, as we speak, has had a debut um, cameo that will earn him significant memeage over the next uh, few months. Uh, Yes, David Washington, uh, 21's regular, has played. And there's been players on the bench. Leo Castellan has been on the bench and hasn't debuted yet. Eddie Beach and Lucas Bergstrom have been among the goalies on the bench that haven't played. And goalkeepers, unfortunately, aren't in the same situation where they can be brought on those things. They've been put on the bench out of necessity. And if Pochettino had truly trusted them to make a contribution, he would have brought them on to do so. In games where you're losing and even then there's games that Chelsea have won comfortably Sheffield United was one of them where didn't use the opportunity to to give some minutes the game was long gone it's 2-0 comfortable 20 minutes 15 minutes to go Keith Matos a bit more of a run out off my head I can't remember if Castelline was on the bench in that game or not I have a feeling he wasn't and they put Bergstrom on the bench instead of him Uh, No disrespect to Bergstrom, international goalkeeper of some acclaim, really good player in his own right. But to carry two goalkeepers on a nine-player bench is self-defeating in the first place. It removes an option from your arsenal as a manager. There's once in a decade, maybe, where you're going to need three goalies in a match. The only time I could call it in any recent history for Chelsea was the ill-fated game where Pedacek suffered the serious head injury at Reading back in 2006, I think it was, he was injured early. Carlo Grunicini was injured at stoppage time at the end of the game. And John Terry went and got for stoppage time. But even in, in those situations, you may have exhausted all your substitutions. Yes. If it's a head injury, whatever, so on and so forth, you can make an emergency sub, but putting two goalkeepers on the bench, there's rarely a good reason for it. And it just opens you up to criticism as well as reducing your options. So in that regard, Every single game that they've put two goalkeepers on the bench in an injury crisis, there's a development squad player who isn't getting a deserved opportunity. There's Leo Castellan's been with the squad for two months now, but has sometimes been the 21st player carried. He sits in the stands and isn't on the team sheet while two goalies are, and I don't think there's any excuse for that. And then you end up with situations like Alfie is getting his debut against Crystal Palace, bringing him on to see how seven minutes of stoppage time having just taken the lead in a dramatic game with the crowd up. The complete antithesis of the Sheffield United game where you're 2-0 up and just sauntering to a win, you could have put him on in that environment and eased him in. But you throw him in, there's no easy on-ramp in the Premier League, but you throw him into that situation, which is, again, a challenge of development itself. Alfie would thrive in that environment. You could have told anybody that before he came on and did exactly that. It's the inconsistency of behaviour that I've not been a fan of. And it's so easy to curry favour and to to avoid that criticism by doing just that. Away to Burnley, away to Fulham, home to Sheffield United. Comfortable wins with time left on the clock to to blood these guys. It, it gives respect to the academy's work. It gives respect to the players that you're carrying with you. But if you don't do it, it then answers the question. If you've got them on the team sheet in a match day squad, do you trust them? And if you don't trust them, why are you naming them in the first place? Because then you're you're saying indirectly or directly in some cases, I don't trust you yet. Do you belong here? And that that's the inconsistency that I don't like. And I, just, I haven't heard a good answer for. The two goalies on the bench, there's generally an answer for that I, again, I disagree with, that this is the first team group. The men's first team group is a closed group. We will bring a third goalie with us to every game in case of injuries to somebody in the warm-up. There is somebody always there. May as well put them on the team sheet. But I don't like the consequences of that for all the reasons I've just said. I think the, the general vibe around the pathway is okay. Could be better. A lot of players have had an opportunity to train this year. A lot of them have trained really well. There's been talk. We spoke a couple of months ago. Ronnie Suffs has spent some time training with them. Impressed. Lots and lots of influential figures on that side with the quality of the finishing. Alex Matos is generally seen as the best trainer or the top two or three trainers every time he's on the pitch with the senior pros in the men's first team. And, and that speaks to why he's been on the bench more often than not and had the two substitute appearances. That's valuable in and of itself, but then it has to be followed up by meaningful opportunities to play. And those opportunities come around so infrequently. They had a League Cup tie at home to Wimbledon where press conference beforehand, Pochettino talked about some really young guys, 16, 17-year-olds being in the squad. They were with the squad on the day. Michael Golding, Harrison Murray-Campbell, Ishe Samuel-Smith, Chavez Akumia, and I think there was somebody else. And only Ishe Samuel-Smith got on the bench. So you talk a good game and then don't deliver. And again, no disrespect to Wimbledon. They played really well that night and it took Enzo Fernandes coming off the bench to score a goal to win that game. But you don't get to play against League Two teams all the time. They've got Preston in the FA Cup Preston are a good championship team, but Chelsea have players that they will loan two championship teams or aspire to. That's another opportunity that isn't going to come along every week. And you need to use these to demonstrate that you do trust the academy and that the pathway is open. So while we've seen some green shoots of positivity, I think there's a lot more that Pochettino can do.
1: All right. I'm gonna let that one breathe for a second,
0: right? <laughs> a I, I, I did go on a little bit.
1: That's all right. That that's, I,
0: I, you get the sense that that's been waiting to 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 be unloaded for a while. And that is okay. So
1: we've had some had some debuts, right? And I've looked; the minutes are, are very minimal. Um, the hot button one right now is Alfie Gilchrist because he just debuted. And if we think about it. Look, this substitution, fill was definitely to prove a point to Benoit about his shield. It ain't good enough. He got subbed off in the 90th minute while we were winning. There's no need normally to pull off a center back and readjust the back line for the second time in the match. So Alfie was used to send a message to Benoit, and all you've ever preached about is give them a chance, see what they can do, and Alfie took his chance. Now, threw in a tackle, threw his head at a ball, other than that, though, the one thing that a lot of people have picked up on, and I think we all saw it, was he immediately came on and communicated, was pointing uh, with visual communication, and then was talking with his verbal communication to make sure everybody was on. He was not going to let anything slip by in the minutes he was on the pitch. And my, oh my, was his work ethic just through the... Not granted, it's 90th minute. You can burn it out, right? There's no... <laughs> No worries about maintaining your levels throughout uh, a long extended time. But um, you and I were talking about Alfie Gilchrist this summer at preseason. I remember being at the uh, Maryland match and talking to you about Alfie and his positioning and his ability to read the game was superb. In that that uh, uh i guess second to last preseason match and so um anything you want to kind of add in to to paint the a more specific picture of alfie i i know in the, the match review pod i talked about how he'd been captain at every single age level on his way through chelsea he's practically born at cobham it feels like
0: <laughs> yeah so a couple of things the the fact that he came on and was immediately himself is a credit to him but also to the environment that he's coming into there's a quote that I'm going to paraphrase from Paul McGuinness who was a long-time youth coach at Manchester United of just oversaw the development of so many top class pros and it was whether it was from him or whether he quoted somebody else it's basically along the lines of when your number is called make sure that you're ready because it's not necessarily going to be called again or at some point you've got to go out there. If you get one minute, if you get 10 minutes, if you get 45 minutes, go and show this is you be ready. And if you can be authentically yourself in that experience and play your game, then that gives you the best chance of success. Now, Alfie was playing in that cameo right back. And I think when he played in preseason, when you told me he played it right back as well. Because he does lack a little bit of ideal height for a centre half, but he can defend. He spent the last month playing lights out for the Dev squad. He's been outstanding. His leadership has always been there; it's not in question. He can defend. He reads the game. He can shake it up physically. He, like, despite he, he's six foot, he's not small, but he's not Badiashii or Disazi big. Um, he knows how to defend as a centre half, and. Ironically, the first time I saw him play in an under fifteen game, he was playing at right back, so he knows how to play that position. Again, he's not—he's kind of a tweener. He's not got the pure athleticism that you want from a right back like Reese James or Malagusta. Huh? Uh, so he brings that intangible quality of leadership and of accountability and of a winning culture, and that's why he was given his debut. And maybe it's why he was entrusted with seeing out a win at the expense of Badiašev, whether Badiašev was injured or tired or unwell or whatever. A decision was made. We're not going to see the game through and just nurse Badiashio through. We're going to trust Alfie to do it. And that trust now needs to be extended to more players because as we've spoken about so many times, they won't let you down in a single case. Maybe over the course of 20, 30, 40 games, you learn that they're not quite at that level, but then so you could say the same for so many players signed for several several tens of millions. Uh, I digress. But... I preface this with the fact we're recording before the Luton game. If the Luton game presents opportunities for Elio Karselheim to make his debut, then that needs to follow. Delighted for Alfie. Wonderful kid. And then you see the reaction after the game from so many people connected to the club, but particularly those that have trodden the road and the path ahead of him. From John Terry to Trevor Chaliver to so many other academy graduates, to all of his teammates, this is the next one. He His name now goes up on the debut wall at Cobham and you want more and more of them to follow. You want more minutes to follow for Alfie. Does he go on loan in January? Does he stay around as depth defensive options? Does Do injuries matter if Trevor Chalibur is sold? Does that matter? Because he's not been available for the first half of the season anyway. There's there's things and decisions to make now. I'm delighted for him. He's a great kid. He's family. Massive Chelsea fans, and it's an incredible moment for him. Just need to make sure it's not the only moment you see from him in the Chelsea show over the next few years.
1: I think... Uh... And a back three for center backs might, might play well with him. We've seen Aspie do well in that spot. Um, but he's hey. got plenty
0: of experience in that as well. Center half or uh, playing on the right a bit, I think he can play on the left as well. Uh, we've seen many, many a time that Cobb graduates going into the senior environment can and will be used in a dynamic range of ways. Ian Martin playing as an attacking midfielder and not as a left back is probably the exaggeration of all of that because he was that player before he came to Chelsea He plays in central midfield for the Netherlands youth teams. He's played all over the place for Chelsea. He is a quality footballer who is being used in an attacking role for some good reasons, but also to hide some deficiencies. That's smart coaching and it's smart player development. You accentuate the positives and hide the negatives. Quite frankly, he should have had more starts overall before the crystal palace game purely from a squad minutes balancing basis if you just use him as a right winger or a number 10 or whatever and never play him at left back, and that's a different discussion altogether, just giving him more minutes to alleviate the weight of, uh, of playing game after game after game to everybody else and and to challenge them, give him two or three starts instead of Raheem Sterling to keep Raheem Sterling sharp and fresh and to, to hold him accountable for when he doesn't play as well as he should. And I'm generally a fan of Sterling. He's played really well at times this season. There's games where he hasn't, but he's, this is it's just the bigger picture of how I'd prefer to see things. You've got him in your squad. You've turned down a bit from Burnley in the summer for a reason using.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ian Matson, right? Like that, that he has kind of like confused a lot of people, but I think it's starting to come out that, uh, it's his lack of physicality, physicality or his ability. So you talk about like potch, not playing him in defense. Cause he doesn't think he can handle the physicality physicalities defender. So he puts him in more of an attack, but, um I, with the lack of minutes you just have to wonder what's going to happen in january everyone's already reporting that he's available for the right bid
0: yeah i remember when billy gilmore was let go for a perceived lack of physicality and look where we are now i think that there are positions where, where it is. becomes exactly there are positions where it becomes more of a factor than others but at the end of the day both ian and billy are what they are physically and they find ways to compensate for that by being smarter and everything and if you give ian five or ten games maybe at left-back, maybe in midfield, maybe further forward. Those deficiencies are less and less of an issue. They they exist in sort of the abstract for as long as he's not playing because that's the reason attributed to him not playing. But then you put him out there and see what he can do and how he can contribute. And you say, "Right, well, we'll take the, that good over this little bit of bad because when he plays on the right of a front of the three with James Augusto behind him, He provides defensive support that he can invert inside and laugh at the overlap and so many different things and different combinations of using a player's positives. Focus so often on, especially with youth players, on why they're not ready or what they can't do. You should just flip the conversation and say, hey, he's a really, really good player who can help us here and here and here. And if he is sold, wait to see who he is sold to, what they do with him and unfortunately probably ended up regretting it like so many other previous departures from common graduates.
1: Yeah. I, again, I, I loved, we kind of talked to this on the pod, but I was, it was like preseason vibes and Ian Motson really enjoyed preseason played a ton of minutes too. So, um, interesting when a lot of our senior players are out <laughs> and, uh, the B team kind of came in and did a job. Uh, you have Leo Castledine and Dillian Williams also kind of listed out here as players you really expect to, to feature or should, uh, or have done enough to be featured based on how the kind of the season goes. Anything you want to touch on with those two and kind of what, um, why they stand out to you amongst the, the dev squad players coming up?
0: Yeah. I think Castledine a lot of people would be familiar with just because he has been on the bench for a while and he's, he scored a bunch of goals for the dev squad creates a bunch of goals. He's, he's he's ready to contribute in the same way that Matos and and, and Alfie have uh, maybe a bit more. He provides an aerial threat, a, a goal threat from a number 10 position. He can play just about anywhere. There were times last season where he was playing as a centre-half, which is ridiculous. He's a natural footballer, and if he's been in and around the squad for long enough, his number should be called next. Dylan Williams, probably a stretch... It's uh, as to whether he's actually going to get his debut but on merit and consistency of performance he's been as good as any dev squad player has for the 2023 calendar year uh, nominally left back or left wing back plays off the left of a back three sometimes with a bit of a free roll carries the ball brilliantly affects the game at both ends of the pitch contributes with goals if he's not going to be on the bench or get a, a, an opportunity at Chelsea in January he'll go on loan uh, we talked about it in the summer whether it would be here or Zach Sturge went Sturge went to Peterborough now it's Dylan's time to go out and play senior minutes and he'll be more than ready for it. He should get a good level loan. Uh, high-end League One for sure. Uh, low-end championship if you're ambitious, but he can pull it off. Uh, yeah, I think just recognition with you and I talking about him for whatever it's worth, that he's been as good as anybody else in this age group. And there seem to be many, many others preferred ahead of him at left-back. Um, Ian Matson not being one of them, uh, which means that Let's let's see where he goes next. But just on pure meritocracy, he should have been involved a while ago. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I look, goals are important. I mean, my word, this this men's first team is lacking clinicality. Uh, damn near leading the league in xG created, hundred fewer shots in Liverpool. Like we are not pulling the trigger. We are trigger shy. We are not doing the last thing we're creating the chances. We're doing everything we need to, to do minus put the the ball in the back of the net. So, uh. and
0: he's got that Chilwell esque trait of arriving at the far post from the left side position, from deeper positions with good ball striking quality with the ability to finish. He's played further forward over the years when he was at Derby before coming to Chelsea. Um, I'm not going to just pick on him necessarily. Uh, Someone like Cucuranda doesn't have that trait. He has traits that are and strengths of his own, but that's sometimes why you see when you switch from Chilwell to Cucurella why those chances that are falling to Chilwell that he invariably takes aren't being finished by a replacement at left-back. Lewis Hall got into those positions when he had his run uh, under Lampard last season uh, and should have scored many, many a time we were talking about everything else in his game was fantastic apart from the fact he wasn't taking some big chances and it's that ability to attack space to time that run to meet the ball coming from the opposite side uh, dylan's another one who's got it
1: well i i look that's something we need that's something i'm excited to see and continue to watch goals always catch everyone's eye i think that that's that's always easy so um look i, I i'm good if you're good phil i think that uh A lot is going on in the Academy. I'm excited. It's good to hear that there's progress. It's good to hear we're stretching the dev squad to, you know, be uncomfortable and find ways to persevere through it. I'm excited the 18s are flying a bit right now, and uh, we got a lot coming in January, so our January pod is going to be jam-packed. Was that nine matches to cover?
0: At the very least, yeah. There'll be nine matches. There'll be winter transfer moves. There'll maybe a couple of Academy ins. Who knows? Hopefully a couple more men's first team debuts to talk about is it's going to be a pretty busy month. And yeah, when we, when we next catch up, it's, it might run longer than this one.
1: All right. Well again, uh, L things Academy at Chelsea youth Phil. We appreciate you so much. The context is key. Uh, there's a lot to pay attention to in January. Hopefully they continue to show live streams, even if we have to pay for them. Uh, access is Enjoyable when we get it for this group. Otherwise, Phil live tweets the matches. You're so generous. You're so generous, Phil.
0: I would honestly be doing it, and I was doing it, whether it was an audience of ten or a hundred or a hundred thousand or however many it is. Now it's it's always going to be there. I love it.
1: All right, well, Chelsea fans, more content coming at you this week. As always, remember, go check out the Discord. Go check out YouTube. Support us in free ways if you can. And if you want to get deeper involved, uh, we've got options. So that's going to wrap us. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.